let me get started if I could. The there are mo- most people believe in their hearts that somehow all the horrible weather that we're having is caused by climate change. Some people think it's not caused by climate change, but most people think it is. Either way, whether it is caused by climate change or not, and I believe it is caused by climate change. I do believe that. I do believe that's the case. But whether it is or isn't, we should care about our environment. Either way. And we should try to make a better environment. And we should try, whenever possible, to do things like clean up all the plastics that are in our oceans. We should try to not destroy our forest. We should try to do all those things, whether one believes that you know climate change is real or man-made or whatever your opinion on that might be. I think we could, all the way that we should be better to our planet and better for us. Here's the issue. When you put that When you put government in charge of that, that's when things go wrong. That's when they go bad. Because what government can do is things like a ban on straws. And what a ban on straws does is it makes some people feel really good about what's going on. But it changes nothing. In fact, I shouldn't say it doesn't change nothing. It doesn't help the problem. It does change something. It makes everyone else's life a little bit harder. And you might go, Larry, it's straws. Come on, straws. You're not going to die over straws. You're right. I'm not going to die over straws. Accurate. It's one small thing that's a pain. But now I can't have bags. And now I'm supposed to have either a cloth bag or I got to have a paper bag. Well, now I got to now not be able to eat a certain type of food. So all of a sudden it's two, three, and four things. And now it is becoming too much. If it really was only don't have the straw, I would still be against it, but I wouldn't be upset because it's one thing, fine, take your straws and let's hope that the world's a better place. And the second thing is, if it was the straws, and if it actually helped, I probably would just shut up and take it without being upset, even though I wouldn't like it. But the straws happen, the bags happen, recycling, and on and on and on, there's always something new that keeps happening, ethanol's happening. But things don't get better. They get worse, and we have to keep doing the things that make my life harder. And I say, Larry, you're selfish. I could see you saying that. But it's not the case. As I mentioned, if it was one thing and I thought it helped, I probably would shut up and just take it. I probably would. I know some people wouldn't. They'd be angry and they would fight. I probably wouldn't. I'd be like, fine, take your straws, let's move on. But it doesn't make anything better. So what I would say is not that I'm being selfish, I don't want to sacrifice for nothing. So what I would ask instead is, instead of us trying to do things like attack the periphery, which is what we're doing, doing things that just make us feel good, which is what we're doing, or doing something worse now, which is build infrastructure, which infrastructure is things like solar panels, I guess, or whatever this infrastructure thing is. We now tie climate change to something else. We're going to build some new infrastructure. Well, that might sound better, and it does. It sounds better than banning straws. It definitely does sound better. I, I, I agree 100% on that one. The reality of it, though, is what is this building of infrastructure? Well, Larry, we have to build things like, you know, power plants and such. Well, a lot of this infrastructure we're building has nothing to do with that. And if we could build infrastructure well, if that's what we could do, why haven't we built it since Hurricane Katrina? 
since Hurricane Sandy, since all the other things that's been happening for the past 20 years. Why haven't we built it already? What's slowing us down? What stopped us? We have the power of government and tons of money. When we need to write checks, we write it. We wrote a trillion dollars of checks to Afghanistan. We had money for that. We had tons of money to send to other parts of the, of the, of the world, but we couldn't build infrastructure. Why? Because it wasn't going to work anyway. It doesn't work. It never works. It hasn't worked. If we really want to fix climate change, it isn't about the government deciding what infrastructure to build. That's not the answer. If we really want to fix climate change and be good to our planet, it's not about banning things. That doesn't change. Not even about banning coal plants or any of those things. It isn't that way either. We have to embrace certain things. It is embracing things that will change climate change. It is about encouraging things that will affect climate change. Embracing and encouraging. Number one thing to embrace, nuclear power. I say it all the time, and some of you are probably tired of me saying it, but I don't care. I'm going to keep saying it. Nuclear power is the first step. We start to embrace nuclear power. We will watch how it will become cheaper and safer. And when it becomes cheaper and safer, new countries that are coming into the industrialized world won't go to coal. They'll go to nuclear. Right now, we could get rid of almost all of our coal plants in the United States. We probably shouldn't. We wouldn't be able to do anything. But if we did, China would still be growing more of them. And so would uh, India. And so would the rest of the industrialized world. And so eventually would be more of sub-Saharan Africa. But if we actually find a cheap way, which it does exist, to create nuclear power, they'd start doing that instead. We, by default, would have a greener energy across the entire country within 20 years, probably within 10 to be forward with you how fast things move now, probably within 10 years, off the bat, a cleaner energy, and we'd come off coal voluntarily without people having to force it. We'd come off natural gas voluntarily without the government having to force anybody. We'd shift and we wouldn't be burning fossil fuels because it would be working. We would be the example. We use a new technology. We'd make it cheaper. And here's the best part. Combine that with ending something else, which is the military-industrial complex. The United States military is the number one polluter in the entire world. Number one polluter in the entire world. Well, we could stop bombing com- countries and shipping troops around with big, big ships and big airplanes and all these things, open up all the, our enemies to a market, and give them all nuclear power plants. Sell them. I don't care. Sounds good. They start having nuclear power plants. We stop bombing them. People are, are not uh, polluting better for the planet. That's embracing. I like that. So embracing, trading with people who are enemies, embracing nuclear power, and boom, all of a sudden you start seeing a big uh, change in the climate and the environment. But that's not all. That was the embracing part. Now the encouraging part. We have to encourage an answer for desalinization plants. We've got to find a good answer for desalinization plants, taking salt water, ocean water, and turning it into fresh water. That is a critical piece, and we're not doing a good enough job on that. Now, imagine if we simply said something like an X project. I'm making this up, but for the sake of argument, you'll get it. The government says the first uh, company to create a dirt-cheap salinization plant, and they decide what that is. They would decide what dirt-cheap equals. We'll get... 
some great intellectual property and maybe, uh, or maybe not even that, maybe just a guaranteed purchase from the government of 10, 12, 15 of them, whatever is the number appropriate to encourage people doing it. The first person who finds it, which fits this criteria, they get the 12, 15 purchases, they get ahead of the game, they start moving forward. If you take desalinization plants, cheap, along with nuclear power together, when you desalinize, when you unsalt, desalt the, the, this, the, the, um, the ocean water, you can now flow that water. And when you flow that water, that's hydro plant, that's hydropower. So you've gone from nuclear power to hydropower. It's almost free. Isn't that crazy? Everyone knows that if you have, if you have unlimited water in theory, you would have unlimited power. If you have unlimited power, you have unlimited water. That's what we want. That changes everything. Now, all of a sudden, doesn't matter where you are in the world, if you're close to an ocean, which almost everybody is, not everybody, but almost everybody is, you can get fresh water and hydropower with one nuclear power plant. Now, all of a sudden, all those oil power plants become unimportant, and we're not fighting over water anymore. If you want to start shipping water into your plants, shipping water into your agriculture, we're not fighting over water anymore. Salt water, the ocean's full of water. All of a sudden, we can do that. But I'm still not done. You then got to shift into the second piece when it comes to the water piece, and that is how do you deplasticify? Is that a word? I made it up. How do you get the plastic out of the ocean? That's the next thing. We got to find a way of doing that. Now, how do we do that? I don't know, to be forward with you, but there's got to be some type of floating thing that can go into the water and pull the, and pull the plastic out. But the plastic can't come out just like you know big chunks. The plastic is very small. It's actually going into fish now. And there are massive, huge chunks of plastic in our oceans, right? So how do we get out there and stop pulling that plastic out. Is it some type of you know surface ocean sweeper that takes the plastic out? Uh, maybe it's a bacteria that eats it and whatever. Whatever the thing is, we then make that happen next. We focus on that, the same idea, right? The first person to get it that fits this criteria gets whatever. The US government will buy 100 of them or whatever is the appropriate number, or we'll give extra industrial property rights, or we'll give royalties on it for everyone else who buys it. Whatever, something that will make people want to do it. The market will jump up, create it, and now we can ship it out there and start cleaning up those oceans. That's oceans, but I'm still not done. This is a big deal, and if any one of these hits, it's awesome, but I'm giving the whole kit and caboodle. The next thing is we got to be able to have a realistic, safe way, enjoyable way to grow laboratory meat. Now, whenever I say laboratory meat, people go, I don't want to eat laboratory meat. You don't have to eat laboratory meat. You don't have to. It's not forced. It will exist. Some people will want it. Why? If you do it right, it'll be cheaper. Somebody will say, I don't care where my meat, come, my meat comes from as long as it's cheap. Some people will do that. If it's not you, no worries. But not just that. If it's laboratory-grown meat, that means you don't have to now chop down all the rainforest to have all the cattle running around down there, right? You don't have to do that anymore. Some people will have laboratory meat because they are going to show, you know, they're going to virtue signal and show how much they care about the earth. They're going to wear T-shirts that say, I only eat lab meat or whatever they're going to call it, right? Earth meat or global meat or whatever cool phrase they'll use. Some people will do that. I don't know how many, but there's always early adopters. And even if just 10% of meat eaters did that, that's 10% less of having to tear up our rainforest and put cows out there, which destroys the rainforest and incre increases methane gas from cow excrement and cow burps and cow farts. Yes, it's all about that. 
that goes down. And eventually more people will enjoy it because they'll make a better flavor or whatever they'll do. They'll create something and more people will eat that kind of meat. I don't know if the whole world will eat it. I don't really care. But some people will. What will also happen is some people will eat that. It'll be fish. They'll eat laboratory grown fish, which means less fishing in the oceans. The oceans can bounce back. The oceans will bounce back because we won't be eating as much fish. Again, not everybody is going to eat it, but a lot of people will because that's what happens. People thought nobody would be vegan. There's a lot of vegans now and more and more and more. There'll be a lot of people who eat this meat, and that'll be awesome, particularly if it's cheaper in underdeveloped countries. They'll get the cheaper meat because it's cheaper. That's what they'll do. You do those things. You focus on those big picture issues, and you'll watch everything else begin to change on its own. The world will adopt. The world will adapt. We will have a greener, better uh, earth for us, for humans, and we'll handle climate change. Whether it's man-made or not, who cares? We will help it and hopefully take some of these crazy um, uh, extreme weather um, um, bits and calm them down, I hope. Either way, this is the right answer. Yeah, I think you've, uh, I think you've summed it up well. And the other, the other part of this is infrastructure, right? So you kind of hit the, you kind of hit the climate change deal. Uh, we accept that climate change is real. Um, all of those things, right? And here's what we can do about it. I like that. Um, I also don't hear anybody anywhere at all talking about that stuff <laughs> because, because I don't think, I don't think their goal necessary. Actually, I don't even want to go there. Let's just say they're not focusing on those things that could actually make a change, right? What they are focusing on is we need another $46 trillion or whatever the number is for a new infrastructure bill. And Pete Booty Guy, he is the infrastructure czar. And we're going to tax mileage and we're going to do all these things, right? Um, how, why, why is what you just proposed and what we here talked about, you know, from Washington, why are those so different? Um, it's a great question, you know, right? What it come, because we've decided that infrastructure has to be done by the government, right? So how can, but it's been failing literally for decades, right? It's literally been failing for decades. Look at what happened with the, all the floods in New York, all the floods in New Orleans, right? Sandy hit New York years ago. Katrina hit New Orleans years ago, and we still haven't fixed it. So it wasn't like we're shocked. We knew it could happen, and we still didn't do it right. My whole point with infrastructure is, again, I don't need government building it. I said the same thing, and you've seen me say it before. Sponsor infrastructure and get organizations to build it for naming rights. Every single large company like Google and Amazon and FedEx and all of them they have billions of dollars they spend every year in marketing. Insurance companies, billions. Instead of saying, let's build a levy, let, instead let's say, let's get, I don't know, some huge bank or Amazon or whatever to build a levy. If they build a levy, we'll have the same specifications as always, but they then build a levy. If they build a levy, they get their name on it, we don't pay for it, and now they get the naming rights about 20 years, say, 30 years, name the price, I don't care, whatever. 
<clears throat> they get the naming rights on it, it gets built. I can guarantee you it will not be built for six times what it costs any other city, which is what it costs now to build something in New York City. I can guarantee you it won't take 10 to 15 years, which is what it takes in New York City, because they won't put up with it. It will be done in a couple of years for half the price and no taxpayers pay the dollars. We'll actually get stuff built. Infrastructure should not be being built by the state. Infrastructure should be built by sponsorships. We change that. That changes everything. Yeah, you bring up a good point. And, um, you know, that's also probably going to be a big incentive for them to make sure the levees don't break, right? Yes. Because if the Tropicana levee bursts and kills a million people, that's a lot of people. But <laughs> anyway, you get the point. If they're liable for all that and it's all over the news, the Tropicana levee bursts, they're going to make sure that the Tropicana levee doesn't burst. They're going to make Absolutely. sure that thing is sealed up tight. Whereas in Katrina, you mentioned Katrina. Katrina didn't kill everybody. It was yep. when the levees broke and flooded New Orleans. Yep. That's what killed everybody. And yep. the Army Corps of Engineers knew that the levees were not good for a long time before Katrina hit. They knew it was going to be a problem, and yep. they didn't fix it. And then when the levees burst, they went and tried to find every other scapegoat to deflect from the fact that it was actually their responsibility and their negligence. So you go and you trust these folks, and it's kind of like that meme, right, where the guy shoots the guy on the couch. I, I saw it again today. It's like government, literally anything, and it shoots the guy, and it's like, I need more money and funding. This is horrible, or something like that, right? So it's kind of like that in a nutshell. Uh, um, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Oh, you can hear me. Good, because it, lo it looks like I'm muted. Um, on my phone, but no, um, I think you're totally correct. And the issue that we have to worry about here is we would like um, someone to be responsible. I would like that. The problem is when it's government, no one's responsible. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. And the uh, the thing that really woke me up on the whole infrastructure deal with the government and how they don't actually care. Um, it was a book about Katrina. I think it was called Fuddle Lies, and it followed a um, it followed these two old folks who owned a nursing home down in New Orleans. The levees burst, and a bunch of people died in the nursing home. And the federal government actually tried to prosecute them and try to get them for all the deaths to distract from the fact that they were the ones that messed up. So not only are they negligent, but then they go and they attack people. We're only trying to do their best. And they're like, look over here at these horrible people. Forget about what we're doing. You know, yeah. so it's all a game. It's all a game. Well, it's, it, the problem is they're all worried about checking boxes and they're not worried about actually saving lives. So they check the boxes. Remember, when things go wrong in any environmental issue, the people always say they admit no wrongdoing, even though literally people die. How can there be no wrongdoing? When people die, there's no wrongdoing because they actually uh, followed all the rules. And that's all that matters is the rules were followed. So the problem is wrongdoing is, did you do something against the state? Not that you hurt anybody. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if the metric that you're measuring by is not in line with reality, right? Yep. And, and reality says something different. 
you say it doesn't matter. The metric, I, I did the metric. I did everything I could. I did everything I could. So, well, no, you did everything that was in the rules. That's not necessarily. Yeah. You just hit a great point. It isn't that you did everything you could. You're right. You did everything that the, that the state told you you were supposed to do. Whether that made sense or not is irrelevant. In fact, even if you knew that you should do something else, you can't because you're still wrong because the state didn't tell you to. The crime is not against an individual. The crime is against the state. It's hearsay. It's hearsay. And it's, it's, something, it's something because, you know, you, you talk about Galileo, you talk about Copernicus, you talk about all these people, you know, that went, uh, you went against the grain, right? And they were heretics. And yep. you're like, wow, look at all those backwards people that didn't believe any of that stuff. And then you turn on the news and you say, that's us. What happened? Wait, 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 wait. That's us. Yes, absolutely. So, so I guess I think Sam wants to say something. Yeah, Sam, uh, if you want to chime in, it looks like he's been having trouble with his microphone, um, but we'll try to give him another chance here. Yeah, um, I like a lot of Larry's points. And I think um, years ago, I don't remember if it was Niagara, Mohawk, R-Genie, or, or, or Niceg, but one of the companies, you could do a little checkbox to say, hey, I want to have uh, green or renewable energy, I'll pay an extra surcharge. Um, I thought that was a great solution. It's entirely voluntary. People can help choose to make the planet greener. Uh, I personally would love it if we did something similar for um, checkbox, give me Gen 4 nuclear. So what does that mean? Explain what that means. How would that work? Does that mean they would take a chunk of your uh, of your bill? I don't know how that actually works. Yeah, I don't remember the exact mechanism, but I think it was something to the effect of if you checked the box, you agreed to pay, I think, 10% more, but that energy was then sourced from some kind of green renewable source. Oh. So build more wind farms, build more solar, whatever, to accommodate the fact that you were pulling that much energy off the grid. Got it. I see yeah. what you And saying. I think if it's something like that, for, I would love Gen 4 nuclear myself. That's my, my personal opinion. I live outside of Rochester. I live in the nuclear evacuation zone where we are. And I would love to see um, our plant, which is a, a first-generation nuclear plant, be replaced by a fourth-gen one. Hmm. And I think it's one of the kind of things like, huh. The idea about what you're saying, Sam, is, but shouldn't, I mean, in theory, the, the nuclear power should be cheaper. So why would I need to pay more for it when it when it should be cheaper? I have an answer. I have an answer. Okay, go ahead, Craig. It's because they're grifters. <laughs> it's because they're grifters. It's because the solar companies and the uh, the windmills um, they're not actually uh, responding to market forces, and they need extra money because they're just there. Because yeah, that yeah, could be you're probably right. Um, all right, but I'm, but I'm trying to seriously think about what Sam is saying here, and I'm, and I'm liking the idea, and, and then the reason why I'm thinking about it is if we make it voluntary in some way, like the way Sam is saying, and we allow people to decide whether they want it, is that a way to say maybe, I don't know, is that a way to fund? Is that a way to actually fund a nuclear power plant? Because in theory, once you have the nuclear power, it should be a whole lot cheaper, right? So I so the, have to pay more. The problem is paying to get the damn thing up in the first place, right? That's the issue. 
The issue with nuclear is not once it's up. Once it's up, you got it made. The problem is before it gets up. So I'm going to admit, I'm going to admit that I don't know a lot about how electricity is priced. Um, I don't know who makes money. I don't know who gets to be chosen. Um, except that with the renewables, I know King Andrew got to choose um, yeah. where where the new panels went, where this went, and he also was not. Um, he would make it so if he decided that your town was a good place for solar panels and his companies, his buddies thought so too, um, your town couldn't even vote against it. Like your town board couldn't say no. Uh, they were going to go there. It would be like two against his three and his three guys would always vote yes for him. Yeah. So, so that, that's, that's besides the point though. I guess what I'm getting at is the problem is that um, it's a monopoly, right? It's a government given monopoly on power and they've got their fingers in it no matter what. What I'm saying is if, if we, if we come up with a policy here, right. And I guess I'm bugging Sam a little bit, this idea, but I, because I like the, the concept of it being voluntary. I like that concept tremendously. So Me too. let we use Sam's concept, right? And we say, you know what? We want to make it voluntary. But the problem is, or the issue is, she said a problem. The issue is, I don't need a lot of money once it's built, right? Once it's built, it's relatively cheap compared to other forms of electricity. What I need is the cash to get a damn thing started, right? To, 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 to break ground and to get one built in the first place. So do I then allow maybe the state to support the individual New Yorker buying stock in it through their taxes or through their bills? Do you see where I'm going with it? Check up. Yeah, that's that. That's kind of where. Yeah, give a hundred bucks or whatever the number is. I made that number up. I don't know what the number is, right? Whatever that number is. And you now become a, you know, whatever, one millionth owner in the, you know, Watertown, that wouldn't be Watertown, but whatever. Um, the uh, so and so nuclear power plant. Yeah, um, tell me. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I think that makes absolute sense. Um, the old old model going back in time was companies would float bonds, and you would buy bonds to help you know finance this, and you'd be then not an owner got stock and not bonds. But there are ways to do that. But nowadays, everything has become some kind of government subsidy. Yes. You or I can't buy in or invest in in any way, shape, or form other than to be forced into paying taxes into X number of projects. Yeah. See, that's what I'm thinking. If, if, if you voluntarily buy it, all good. And in fact, I would think the reverse would happen, meaning that once it's up, right, once you've decided that – you know, okay, we, we, we've raised the money, we built the nuclear power plant. The reality of it is the other stuff would actually be more expensive. So if you didn't want nuclear power, you'd probably have to pay for that. It would be, I'm okay paying an extra $35 a month because I hate evil nuclear power. So I'll pay for the old thing that is inefficient because I hate nuclear power. I think it, the opposite might actually happen in this case because it would actually be more expensive to use the old system. Yeah, and that's a good point. Uh, if you had a, uh, a CEO or someone in charge of NYSEG or whoever, right, they had mm-hmm. enough kind of willpower to say, okay, I want everyone to check the box to say, I prefer fossil fuels and make that the surcharge. Yes. You could then get people to thus 
invest in the Gen 4 nuclear or geothermal or whatever else we pick. That's it's a reverse carbon tax. So the dirty planet surcharge right. things, which goes along with the idea back in the day of the carbon tax, but not. A yeah, tax. that's what I'm saying. Anyone who likes that carbon tax stuff has got to like this, right? Yeah. So you like carbon tax? Here you go. Yeah. So where where I started to go with this um, was how <laughs> because there's literally there's literally. A ministry of electricity in New York State, right? Um, the governor, I, it's literally a thing, right? So I, it's not like you can go and hang your shingle on your nuclear power plant and run out your own power lines and stuff like this, right? So I guess I guess my question is, I, I agree. I think that would be great. Um, and actually, right from the get-go, this was a government grift. You had a battle between um, – I think it was Edison and also uh, J.P. Morgan. I think the two of them were uh, in cahoots. They electrified New York City first, um, and then they had to figure out how to convince the government to get the contract to build the um, the dam on Niagara Falls, right? Um, and they pulled some shady stuff. Anyway, my point is going all the way back, it's been a regulatory cap. And big business get together pulling shady stuff. That never happens. So so, so that's what I'm saying is it's been this way right from the get-go, right from the start of it. So how do you how do you democratize electricity, I guess, is my question. Yeah, it is a good question. Um, hmm. I think... You probably have to. I mean, as I, as I sit here and think about how this is usually done, right? I mean, you would probably have to basically allow for a leasing of government land, right? So you'd have to allow, say we use, I'm making for the sake of argument, say we use the North Country as a place to uh, put the nuclear power plants. You would probably have to lease the land out, right? The government will lease the land out at a certain, whatever the fees are. And maybe give them a break as long as long as they actually build, you know, build the thing. And I, and the example I would give is if you've ever actually rent, uh, rented out commercial real estate, when you rent out commercial real estate, it's very common for the landlord to give you a few months free rent to build out your place, right? Like if you're building out a restaurant, you got to, you know, build out your chairs, your seating, whatever, put in your new kitchen or whatever. So they tend to give you a couple of months of free rent which is time to build out. So maybe we would do a similar thing. You're gonna be able to use state land in the North Country, and we're gonna give you whatever, X months, free, maybe even a year maybe, you know, free, basically free rent, right? You don't, you're not gonna have to pay for the rent for three months or whatever that number is, six, whatever it is, and then you start paying rent, and the rent is say, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. And you get a certain amount free for building the thing, right? And maybe that's how you work. And you just lease out the land and you lease out the actual um, facility. So maybe the facility is owned by the state once it's built, but building it gets you a grant of a, of a lease period. And after that, you've got to pay the, the lease. If you don't want to, another energy company can pick it up. I think this could be done. It's a little bit tricky, as I mentioned it, if you see, but I think it can be done. So essentially, yeah, we just it, it's on 
you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, quote unquote free market the whole deal, right? The government's gonna be involved somehow. It's a utility, right? I mean, it's a utility number one. So there are state rules and regulations, but two, it's nuclear power. So the the federal government is gonna want to be involved in some way, shape, or form. They're not gonna let it be free market. It's just it's too it's it's a bridge too far. You know, right. Nuclear so power is just not gonna be there. Yep. So that's that's what I was saying. Is essentially. You're just making it as we've accepted the fact that you're going to pay National Grid or you're going to pay NYSEG or you're going to pay whoever. That's the thing. You don't get to choose who supplies your electricity. The best thing we can do is maybe hold on. No, no, no. This is what I would say. Right. In my whole plan that I mentioned. Right. That's not necessarily true. And what I mean by that is I think you could without question, you could make three separate nuclear power plants with three separate overlapping grids so that they could actually compete for for pricing. Now, if you also have the nuclear power shifting down to other places, like, for example, um, you allow it to get on the grid and to sell it to other places, to sell it outside of New York State, you allow it to move down to the coast so that it could u- be used with desalinization plants, you actually could, and I think this would be part of the deal, the government would get a cut of anything that, you know, they sold, right? Because it's part of the leasing agreement. Like if you go to a mall and you get a, um, a kiosk at the mall, they get a cut of everything you sell, right? That's part of the deal. You make that same deal so the government gets a slight cut, which means that it's in the government's best interest to create good deals with other people. It's in the government's interest to sell outside the state. And the government then, of course, uses um, a bunch of the proceeds that come from that to create a fund to pay for things like maybe education or healthcare. in which case now taxes don't have to go up and we can actually use the proceeds from that to create a, to create an actual state fund. So I think we could find ways of doing it. Norway does it that way. Um, uh, oh, Jesus. Singapore does it that way. So certain countries do it that way. I think we could make that happen. OK. Yeah, no, I like that. The way that. As you're speaking about it, see, because I've just kind of, I've just kind of wanted to be angry at electric companies, right? Like, ah, I gotta pay my electric <laughs> bill, right? <laughs> um, so I don't, I'm, I'm kind of ignorant of how it all works. But as you're talking about it, I kind of view it as like an internet almost, right? So the government would own the infrastructure; they own all the wires, they own the whatever. Um, maybe they wouldn't even, but whoever owns it, basically, it's an open source free free open source uh thing right and then everyone sends their electricity to it and you get to choose essentially where you're getting it supplied from right is that what i yeah you could if if there's three separate nuclear power plants on three overlapping grids the first thing is we are cyber proof right that's number one we're cyber proof second one of them is going to create a grid that's simply going to be better at going, say, to Canada, or I'm making up if Canada wants our power, wherever, whatever group wants our power, right? So a certain group, one's going to do, it, going to do that way. One's going to be better at, at putting, you know, um, at, um, you know, houses or whatever. So that it's like insurance companies, right? Certain insurance companies are simply better if you want to do like renter's insurance. And some are better if you want to do car insurance or whatever the case may be. And the power plants are the same way. There's going to be at least one company that's going to be real cheap when it comes to, you know, you're going to your house and, and, you know, taking care of your house. 
And one's going to be great at, you know, shipping this stuff to Pennsylvania or wherever they want it, right? So I think you will find different ones decide what works best, and you'll pick the one that you want. And I think you can create competition in that regard. The only worry is if, if it created a cartel system, which I could see a cartel system being created. I could see that. Well, I mean, we have a cartel system now, so I don't I think know, we're going to make wanna it add, I don't want to lose one cartel system and build another one. <laughs> I guess the, the, question, the question in this is who owns the infrastructure? Because if I'm nice egg and like, do I, so if I own a house, right, do I get a nice egg and a Niagara Mohawk line into my house and then I get to switch between them? Or does the government own it? Does a third party own it and lease it? Yeah. How does that all work? No, well, what would happen is all the infrastructure, the, everything um, on that land is government land. So it's all owned by the government. But what about right. what about my what about the lines that go between that and my house, like where I have to get the electricity from to transmit? That's a good question. I would assume that that will be government-owned, but maybe not. Maybe that could be private. Because I because I think the way it works now, I think the electric companies themselves are responsible for that. I don't think that that's a public thing. Yeah. Again, I think you could yeah you could do that. I'm, the only thing I'm worried about is the public lands, which I don't want to give up. Right. And um, if it's a nuclear power plant, the federal government is to be not going to allow it to be in private hands. Yeah. No, does I think I think this is all I think this is all cool. Yeah, no, it does. It does. I think I think the problem is there's just like with anything. Right. There's so many things. And this is why central planning is difficult. There's so many. <laughs> right. No, I mean, honestly, it's better just to let alone because we just had a whole <laughs> we were like, hey. How can you get cheaper electricity? That should be easy, right? And 30 minutes later, it's like, well, we haven't even addressed 16 of the things that we would have to fix, right? So essentially it's – yeah, but um, it's just a it, – it, it just goes to show, um, I guess, you know, the more that you can give people choices, the more that you can um, – People are going to figure out ways, right? You and I and Sam and Dennis aren't going to figure out how to fix the the electrical grid here. We can have some cool ideas and we can talk yes, about we are. them. Where are you? Yes, we are. <laughs> we're, I, I'm saying we're, we have cool ideas that can help, right? Yeah, but we, we don't have all the ideas. It goes back to it goes back to what you say, right? You don't know everything, and if there's something that someone can add, you know, they should. This came from Sam. It, yes, it did. For me, this came from Sam. Yeah, yeah, we're all on the same page here. I'm saying these 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 conversations are not even conversations that we have. It's right. um, it's dictated from the top that oh, did you know that uh, renewable energy is good for you? And did you know that you need to drive a uh, an electric car by 2035? Uh, well, if you didn't, you do, and that's the end of the story. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You don't want one? I didn't ask if you wanted one. <laughs> that wasn't even a table. No one asked if you wanted anything. Yeah, I've had a lot of soul searching about some of the uh, green plants coming from the government about electric cars and the extra mileage tax. And I thought, gosh, you know, what a what a soul crusher for someone like me who lives in upstate New York, where if I drive from where I live, my parents' house, I couldn't drive here and back in one day because the battery wouldn't make it. Oh, and there's no, no charging stations, right? So I'd have to physically plug into their house at low voltage and charge for 24 hours before I drive back home. 
Wow. Right. right so let's. So then the yeah, let's go to the let's go to the electric car thing because that is that is like the biggest thing that I see as a problem on the horizon is we've mandated that this needs to happen within like 15 years and we are not even close to having anything whatsoever that matches um, what we have now as far as efficacy and convenience and everything with fossil fuels. So what do we think about electric uh, cars? Is the technology just going to come because we said so? Yeah, like I said, it's soul crushing for me. Um, so I get, I get the idea of, okay, if they built out the infrastructure and someone built the charging station everywhere, it would be one step in the right direction. But even still, as someone who lives in an apartment, I can't have a custom charging station in my apartment because that require rewiring someone else's property. It could landowners can't do it. Yes. So here I sit and I think, okay, I can pick up a nice cheap lease, like for 200 bucks a month for a full electric vehicle, but it would be useless for me in how I live. So I'd have to either never travel with my parents who are up in age and need my help with things, or I have to rent a car, which now costs 150 bucks or 200 bucks a day now because where the prices surge there. Right. Or I keep my gas car and pay the extra mileage tax where they want to snoop on my car and figure out how often I'm driving to pay them a little extra money. And I think, yeah, of course. And, and who pushes this? People who live in one of two cities on each coast who say, we know what's best for you. Do as you're told. Right. Right. I think Dennis has an opinion about that. Yeah, I'll just add one thought to this topic. And that is that a lot of these people who push for these policies don't think about the externalities involved with the technology that they want. So when we talk about electric cars, you have rare earth metals that are mined often by children in places like the Democratic Republic of Congo. And when you dispose of it, by the way, by the way, <laughs> wow, big surprise. <laughs> and you also have to dispose of these batteries. And what they find, and you, you can fact check this, when you dispose of these batteries, it's worth, worse for the planet than all of the fossil fuels that you use. Mm. Yeah, oh, but it, it just, takes fossil it, fuels it, it, to dig up everything to get the rare earth metals for the battery. Yes, another great point. All of those excavators, all of those dump trucks, all of those caterpillar engines, they need a lot of diesel fuel to dig up those... That's true. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And we don't even think about that. It's a good point. It's a very valid point. We don't even consider those things. Well, you yeah. you, you brought this up, I think, um, with ethanol, Larry, is it takes yep. <laughs> takes a whole lot of fossil fuel to grow corn to make ethanol. Um, yes. But but darn, does it feel good? We're using renewable. Yeah, so we're, we're growing food to make gas. And it takes gas to grow the food. What are we doing? It doesn't make any sense, but we're doing it. Yeah. So I guess, I guess really it boils down to a central planning issue, right? This is what I see. It boils down to mandates from, uh, from Albany, mandates from Washington, all of these mandates, all of these people thinking are really cool, great ideas, throwing them out there saying, yep, that's my idea. Deal with it. Um, how can we get away from that? I think you spoke about it today with Jim about um, how we're not able in our communities anymore to 
to watch out for ourselves, right? Um, we're sitting waiting for, for something from Washington or for, for orders. So how can we, A, ignore those people? <laughs> and can we ignore those people that are trying to tell us what to do? And B, how can we build back and um, try to become self-sufficient um, you know, in our own in our own climates, in our own areas, in our own communities? Well, I'm going to say something that a lot of libertarians would be unhappy with, but I'm going to say it anyway. We have to vote. Um, people validate in America still to this day, whether you're libertarian or not, like it or not, you are validated by getting votes. If you start voting for more candidates who start saying the right things, they will become more popular because they'll get more votes and people will then be validated. More people will hear it and we'll get that culture change that we want. Right. The the issue I brought up more than once is when people have said, well, you know what? Um, I was on a, a podcast last night and I was talking about this. They're like, Larry, you know, you, you can't win through voting. That's not how it works. And I said it is, though. And, re- and the reason is because if people get a lot of votes, they become celebrities. Right. Politicians cross over all media like Bernie and AOC. They cross over all the Trump. They cross over all media. You get the right politicians involved and they be, get the, the, the bully pulpit and they begin to change culture. You can't tell me that both Trump and Bernie have not changed American culture. Of course they have. So I think you vote, but not necessarily because you want the person to win. I hope you do, but, but because you want to become popular so that people will pay attention to them. I think that's the critical piece. And then that begins to change culture. I mean, think how much uh, much influence someone like Ron Paul had, and he didn't even win, and he still got had a lot of influence. So I do think that you know, making people who think this way popular in American culture will go a long way. I think I think you nailed it, Larry. It's the it's the knowing what your principles are. It's the knowing what you want to push. And it's screaming that over and over and over again. Yeah. Bernie's been doing it for 30 years, 40, yep. 50, however long. I just turned 80 the other day. Um, and then Ron Paul, same thing. He's been screaming and the Fed forever. And the only reason it became relevant was because everything crashed right before he ran, right? And everyone's like, oh, I guess this guy might have known what he was talking about. So if you're out there shouting the message all the time, the time will catch up with you eventually, right? You will have always been right. People will just recognize. Yeah, the culture will eventually change, right? The culture will eventually go, oh, wow. There's a whole lot of people who, when you go, Ron Paul was right, they go, yeah, he kind of was. But if this was, you know, five, ten years ago, like, that Ron Paul guy's a nut, right? That's what everybody was thinking. Now they're like, well, maybe he wasn't so crazy after all. So I do think that is correct. You will, you will see that um, this voting does matter um, because you want people to be – you want the people to be validated for the average American. So the average American go, huh, maybe I should listen. Otherwise, the average American very often will not listen. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, one of the things that Larry does very well, and I hope other libertarian candidates will kind of adopt – is changing our, our conversation points. You know, I think it's more helpful to talk about climate change, infrastructure, uh, all the things he's been talking about, more than going into deep esoteric conversations about uh, uh, which part of the Bill of Rights I love the most and kind of the more <laughs> typical libertarian talking points. I love our party, but I think that's a, 
a positive Larry brings. I hope more people do that in the party. Thank you, brother. I am trying. I appreciate that. So I hope that as you we got anything to say, Dennis, we get more attention because I think if we can change that one frame where um, liberals think that we're, we're morons and uh, conservatives think that we're just unprincipled or whatever they have the kind of thought process. If we can change that frame of saying, hey, you know, we do care about these important issues. We just see voluntary solutions that will be more successful. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, so, so infrastructure, uh, we talked, we talked, we wanted to say, Sam has something. I think Dennis did. Dennis did. Dennis, go. <laughs> I was just jumping in because you told me to jump in, Craig. Uh, I just wanted to piggyback on what Sam was saying to just add one more layer to that. We have to become better emotional communicators. We have to stop okay. being these logical people and, and connect with people the way that humans talk. If we can do that, we can get them to believe our idea. Yeah. We can get them to listen to them. They probably already believe it. That's the thing with libertarian principles. Um, that's why that, that quiz that Larry's, is, uh, that Larry's always is pushing, that's why people love that quiz, is yeah. it resonates with them. It pitches it to them. They say, you know what? I guess – I guess I do kind of agree with this. Well, now, what else do I agree with? What other things don't I understand? You know, and it's kind of that that portal into the whole, huh, maybe maybe this isn't the way it is. Yes. Casting doubt on what I've thought forever. That's exactly what I want to try to achieve. Exactly right. Just maybe the same old thing isn't the only answer. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've we've discussed electricity, we discussed levees, we discussed climate change. Um, is there anything else that ties those things together? Was there anything else that you wanted to address, Larry? Um, I, you know, were there were there other issues show. with pretty, government? I'm pretty happy with it. This is a pretty good show. I'm actually pretty happy. Yeah, I think so too. I think there was a lot of discussion. I think Sam brought up some good points. I really liked our freestyle on the electricity and how everyone's going to pay like six cents per month for nuclear energy by next uh, month. So that'd be cool. (laughs) But um, uh, for, for anyone that's listening to this, not live either on locals or on anchor. um, Well, you found it and make sure now that you found it, that you join the green room, you download the app and you actually come and you can be a part of this live. So you can be cool like Dennis and Sam and have conversations with us because this is the way that we spread the word. This is the way that we have conversations and think of new things and also draw people into the movement. Plus green room is just really cool and new. You know, you get to be part of something fun. Awesome. So is there, uh, is there anything else you want to say, Larry? Is that it? I think we're good. I appreciate it guys. Thank you so much for being here. I hope it was interesting. I will talk to you all very soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks.